Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to the Stolen Goodbyes podcast with me, Karen Rice. This is a unique space that gives a voice to people who lost loved ones to the COVID-19 pandemic. Loss to COVID-19 is a grief like no other. No warning, no goodbye, no funeral, grief in isolation. They were robbed not just of the person, but of everything that goes with the death. The bereaved still question, how did this virus come into our lives? Because there is no goodbye, their death doesn't seem real. They still expect them to walk through the door, that they're watching a film of somebody else's life. This podcast is also a space to remember and celebrate just how amazing, funny and special these ordinary yet extraordinary people were. I'm joined today by people who lost their loved ones in the first wave of the COVID-19 pandemic in 2020. At the time, we said in collective disbelief as COVID-19 ravaged through Italy, the World Health Organization issued all countries with a public health emergency warning about COVID-19 on January the 10th. The first confirmed cases in the UK were on the 31st of January. Countries around the world went into lockdown and closed their borders. At home, Boris Johnson did nothing or chose to do nothing. Instead, on February the 13th, he had a cabinet reshuffle. There was talk of achieving herd immunity, that is, letting the virus rip unchecked through the population, basically throwing the most vulnerable people to the wolves. On March the 7th, he found time to go to a rugby match in Twickenham, A few days later, he was glad-handing people at the Cheltenham Festival. At that time, the pandemic was doubling every three or four days in the UK. Boris Johnson left the borders open. He let COVID-19 rip through care homes. There was no testing, no PPE. A dangerous and reckless government policy failing. Then there was a screeching U-turn and he put the country into full lockdown on March the 23rd but that was all too late for the people that I'm about to speak to. I'd like to turn first, uh, if I may, to Sally. Sally, you lost your new husband of just four months to COVID-19. What difference did that delayed lockdown make to your life? Uh, It made every difference. We contracted COVID from work. And my last day was the 23rd when they put us into lockdown. Um, My husband had um, type 2 diabetes, but it was all under control when he was fit and healthy. Um, But if we had had the lockdown sooner, I wouldn't have been training somebody who was showing signs of COVID and neither my husband or I would have been thrusting the public I, um, where people were not social distancing, there was no hand sanitization, there was nothing. We didn't have any protection or any masks at the time, and there were no tests to be had. So had he have locked it down at least, my husband would have standed more of a chance of survival, 
and and I wouldn't have been a widow at 45. Um, and um, I still wouldn't be suffering now with, with long COVID, which I'm left with, which I don't know how long it will last for. So to me, it's it's ruined my life because I waited 45 years to find the right man. I finally did. I married him within a year of finding him. And then he was taken away just four months after. So it's devastated my life. And it basically, to me, it, I died with him because I'm not the same person that I was. And I'm certainly not that happy person in my wedding pictures, although I do try to find happiness in every day now because I have to. Um, but had he locked, locked it down, I wouldn't, need, wouldn't have needed to do this. Do you feel that Boris Johnson snatched away your future because he effectively didn't did nothing until the end of March? Yes, I do, yeah. I mean, basically, it's like, to me, how I felt about it at the time, it's like he sent everyone out to a war, like on the front line when it was the war, when all of the boys have called up and that to do national service and all of that. And they had a choice, or they didn't have a choice, but he was of a certain age. So, but our husbands and a lot of our loved ones didn't have a choice, and it, it didn't matter what age they were. He's just sort of put them out there to get rid of them first. That's how I make it feel to me. Um, because they're, it, it attacked the vulnerable first, um, but some vulnerable people managed to get through it. So there's lots of different things um how covid works obviously we don't really know but i do feel like he put them on the front line and they didn't have a choice no matter what age they were do you feel that there's there was a price or there is a price on human life yeah i do and i just don't i just think he's been disrespectful to everybody um that's lost someone to covid and to the people that have lost their lives to covid it just you know, it's not even as little as they're a number. They're not even a number anymore. You know, it's as if they've never existed and as if it doesn't matter. But to us, life will never be normal again. And it'll always matter because then people are not in our lives where they should have been for a lot longer than they have been. Do you feel that Boris Johnson should resign? Yes, I do. I think he's had plenty of chances to... Um, repair the damage that he's made in some form or another and he's chosen not to do that and for the actions that he's now done um no he shouldn't he shouldn't be in that position of power because he should know better and he should be leading by example and his leading by example is just to make a mockery of everything thank you jane can i turn to you um obviously you lost your husband uh goff to COVID-19, that delayed lockdown by Boris Johnson. How do you feel about that? If he had locked down a fortnight earlier, I would still have a husband. If he had locked down when he was, he was advised to lock down, my husband would not have gone out to assist somebody who had multiple sclerosis and was poorly. And he would not have caught COVID from the man who had multiple sclerosis. So if we had locked down a fortnight earlier, I would not be a widow. There was talk at the time that locking down would mean economic 
Armageddon. How do you feel about that? What price is life? What price is life? To to us, this is Armageddon. Um, and to us, we will we will never, ever, ever be the same again. And it was a fortnight, just a fortnight, after all the other lockdowns we've had and all the time it's taken us to think that COVID is more under control than it was. Everybody else was locking down. The European countries were locking down. He put money before us. Should he resign? Oh, yes, he should have gone long ago. Anybody with any decency would have gone long ago. Eileen, can I ask you, how did Boris Johnson's delayed lockdown impact your family? Um, Well, my mum died from COVID due to um, a carer having COVID. So had he locked down earlier, then potentially my mum would never have got COVID from the carer. So, yeah, hugely impacted. And... That carer, did they have any PPE? What was the position at the time? Well, because we didn't go into the house and we didn't see uh, whether they had PPE or not, my dad did report that they didn't have PPE and he challenged them about it and was told uh, that he was bloody lucky to be getting carers. That was their response when he asked where their PPE was. So, um, yeah. So I'm sure they didn't have PPE. What time frame was that? Um, Well, I didn't see my parents from the 23rd of March until the 15th of April, the day my mum went into hospital. So that would have been in between the 23rd of March and the 15th of April that my dad reported that the carers didn't have PPE. Um, So obviously they were coming on a regular basis and each time they were presenting to your parents' house uh, and there was no no PPE? Well, I think that maybe some of them had PPE. I think possibly some of them did, but certainly not all of them. Right, so um, there wasn't a uniform? Approach. No, no. How do you feel about that? Well, I'm absolutely furious about it. Um, yeah, I'd... I'd I just feel awful that my mum got COVID from a carer, somebody that I trusted and expected to look after my mum. I thought they would have had a duty of care to ensure that they had PPE. Um, So, yeah, I'm really angry. And I have put in a complaint to uh, Dundee City Council about it. Well, yeah, I did do, um, but didn't get very far. Because I, I wasn't in the house to see myself they more or less implied that my dad couldn't be relied upon due to his age, you know, to tell the truth, to have a true account of what was happening. Shocking. Um, yeah, yeah, it was shocking. Although they did eventually admit that a carer who had looked after my mum had tested positive. And because that was the only person who'd been in the house, it was obvious that that's where it had come from. But obviously, central direction should have been coming from Boris Johnson in terms of what medics, carers were doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Lindsay, that delayed uh, lockdown for your father, Kevin. Yeah. Um, 
I think it would have made all the difference between him being here and not being here. Um, my father, Kevin, died in hospital with COVID after contracting it um, in hospital. Um, he got admitted into hospital on the 27th of March, um, not with COVID, but with um, sort of confusion, cognitive ability had deteriorated. We wasn't sure what had happened. Uh, we didn't know if it was a water infection or if something else had happened neurologically. We weren't sure. I still actually don't really know what he got admitted for. Um, but um, he had to go in. He was quite dehydrated and, and didn't really want to leave him there, but I couldn't keep him safe at home any longer uh, in his own flat and we didn't have the facility to um, have him with us because he couldn't use the stairs so he had to he had to go into hospital to receive the appropriate care um, it was a week so it was, he went in on the 27th of March um, I was back and forth for about a week taking him clean clothes bringing his dirty clothes home um, I was walking around the hospital without PPE um the staff in the hospital I'm not sure on the wards because I wasn't allowed on the ward to see him um I just had to ring the ward bell they'd come to the door give me the dirty clothes and I'd give them the clean ones but I myself and I assume admin staff maybe but other people walking around the hospital weren't wearing masks at the time because it wasn't a requirement um but about a week after doing that the nurse who came to take his clothes said to me this is the last time you're going to be able to do this. You need to keep yourself safe because it is rife down here with COVID. Um, so that would have been beginning of April. So, uh, and he wasn't on a COVID ward, but apparently every ward, people were contracting it, left, right and centre. The staff were getting it. Um, it was unbelievable how quickly it was spreading through the hospitals through the non-covid wards of the hospitals um and it was three weeks later that my father picked it up on a, a non-covid ward uh, and when i had his medical notes back at a later date um there was on that ward he was on the non-covid ward there were queries of patients going in there with covid in the bay that he was sharing with them and given the fact that my father had underlying conditions um, it's frightening that he was left to share the bay with queried COVID patients. But I, I don't think I don't think the staff really knew what they were doing. Um, my father was quite confused, so he couldn't give me a lot of information over the phone. Um, but I think I don't think they were having any guidance on what to do and how to cope. I think they as as a, as the civilians, we were left to kind of figure out what on earth we were supposed to do. And I think a lot of the medical staff were as well. And there was no control over it. Who do you hold responsible? It's a difficult one. I think if, if the government is, is such a, it's almost, there's almost a huge chain. It's a chain reaction of events, isn't it? Um, if the government had acted sooner, shut down the borders, uh, you know, closed off travel, if they had done all that sooner, the numbers would clearly have been far, far lower um but then there were simple things that were missed in the hospital that should have been done so then that sits with hospital management it sits with maybe the staff and I don't want to blame NHS staff because while they have done having to work through uh, the most frightening thing we've ever been through has been incredible but there were simple things that should have been done that I think could have saved my father's life but weren't um for whatever reason 
um, just maybe overwhelmed, understaffed, tired. I don't know. I really don't know. I think there's a whole catalogue of people who I could pin the blame on. Um, it's just frustrating to to not really know, even now, how it all went so wrong. Do you feel Boris Johnson should resign? Um, 100%. I don't actually know how he's still in his job now. Because if even on a, a smaller scale in any business, if you had done taken no responsibility for an error, a grand error that you had made that had an impact on one person's life, you would probably be let go on gross misconduct. You would only, in any job, in any industry, you would only need to mildly harm somebody's life to be dismissed on gross misconduct. So millions of lives, whether that's because they've lost somebody or because they are dealing now with extreme mental health issues or whatever the reason, millions of lives have been impacted by his complete lack of judgment and lack of action. I don't know how he's still in his job. Thank you. Eileen, do you believe he should resign? Yes. Yep. Definitely, without a shadow of a doubt. His worst crime? Um, his disregard for elderly people at the start of um, the pandemic, where people were being moved to care homes uh, from hospitals. Uh, the DRR's been put onto people sometimes without permission from their family. So just an expectation that you're old, so you're going to die. We're not really going to try to help you. Um, I could list a catalogue of things that, that he's done that I don't agree with. But I think predominantly at the beginning, the just the general disregard for anybody of a certain age, that that was normal and to be expected and acceptable that they would die and they wouldn't receive the treatment that they deserved. In terms of the parties that were thrown at Downing Street when the country was in lockdown, thank you. Um, Carol, you lost your mother to COVID-19. That delayed lockdown. What did it mean in your world? My mum was really worried that I was going to get it because I was working in the airport and mixing with so many different people and lots of Italians coming in at the time the Italians were having a really, really awful time. And I think when we spoke to Sally a while ago, you know, we were saying that, um, you know, we were seeing dead bodies being wheeled out on carts and put into into graves and things. So um, we knew what was coming and they, they knew from sort of the end of, of December, to, of the end of 2019 and still they never acted. And I do believe because when my mum was taken into hospital, um, she just went in with a, a simple UTI which they said just needed some um, IV antibiotics, which is why she went into hospital. And I begged them not to take her in because I was concerned. And they said, no, she really has to. When they took her in there, there was no proper PPE. There was no hardly anyone wearing masks. There was nobody wearing the aprons or anything like that. Um, and all they said to me was, um, oh, don't worry, we'll take good care of her. You know, we're not going to give her COVID. And then they put her on a COVID ward. and. You know, so I do feel that if they'd have closed down sooner, then I think we would have been more aware. I think the NHS staff would have been more aware of what they what they needed to do to kind of help people and to keep it at bay. But it was just everything was just so slow. And, you know, and in the end, it was just horrible. It was just awful, awful time. And I just I just feel that 
Boris and his government, the whole government, have let us down really, really badly. And, and they're still doing it now, two years later. What have they learned from what, what happened? Nothing. Have they accepted responsibility for anything? Nothing. Not at all. And I'm surprised, as I said before, I don't even know how he's still there. I'd have stuck my, my size eight somewhere before now. And he's, he's a puppet for, the, for a lot of, the, a lot of the, the other ministers there. That's how I feel. And of course, nothing can bring your mum back. No, and I will never, ever forgive them for what they put me through with my mum's undignified end where I wasn't allowed in the hospital, I wasn't allowed to see her. And I also know that the hospital concerned actually had a policy in place. They were told that anyone over the age of 80 with underlying health conditions, they weren't treating as a priority. So it was, you know, it was only because I know somebody that works there and they've told me exactly what the situation was. And for that to happen, and then doctors trying to force a DNR on her, and then telling me I couldn't see her, couldn't be with her at the end. Um, and then when, I, when, when she did pass away, it was just, she's passed away. Um, she, she was left there for nearly three hours on the ward. Um, and I know that the NHS staff had lots and lots to do and they, you know, they were probably in ignorance as well at the time, but there was no, the, the proper care that they should have had wasn't taken. And, you know, not, not to, I'll never forgive them for not allowing me to have any, any kind of undignified end with my mom. And also from the fact that they were partying the day after my mom's funeral. Debbie, your goodbye was also stolen. And you didn't get the chance to see, speak to your, or say goodbye to your father. No, I didn't. Um, my father lived in Cheshire. And I live in Milton Keynes in Buckinghamshire. So I was quite a way away. Um, and when dad went into hospital, the lockdowns had just started, which meant that we, I wasn't allowed to visit him. I couldn't go up there. Um, had we locked down two weeks earlier, there's, I believe that my dad would still be here. My dad had no underlying health conditions. He was a carer for his brother-in-law, my uncle, who had Alzheimer's, and he was also an Alzheimer's befriender. So prior to getting ill, he'd be going shopping for other elderly people and coming in contact with lots of other people. Now, we will never know where he caught it or how he caught it, but I can distinctly remember watching it on the news and seeing it creep across Europe and through the other countries. And it's almost like, you know a tsunami is coming towards you, but you don't get out of the way. Our government surely must have seen this creeping, creeping closer. And they should have either got us out of the way or moved us to higher ground. But with that being locked down, close the airports, stop the virus as fast as we can. Um, and minimalize the damage. And obviously it goes back to cost again. It became very apparent very quickly that the cost of human life was outweighed by the cost 
to the businesses and the economy. And it was almost as if the businesses mattered more than the people. Do you think he should resign? I'm surprised he's still there. I really am. Considering other members of his cabinet have lost their jobs um, for things that they have done. How has he even stayed there? And purely by the support of the backbenchers who have business investors and who've got businesses in mind, I think that's the only reason he stayed. They have protected businesses with furloughs. They protected them with various different schemes and bailouts. What did they actually do for the bereaved? Nothing, nothing at all. Thanks so much for listening to these stories. They really matter to me and to the people telling them. Please tell your friends and family about this important corner of the internet and take a few moments to rate, review and subscribe to the Stolen Goodbyes podcast. Every listen counts. Mm-hmm.